Well, I'm going to be uh, focusing on that passage, Psalm chapter 4, or Psalm 4. And really, what I want us to be thinking about is how God is there for us, how God is with us, how we can depend on him even when we are struggling, even when we are crying out and praying to God the same prayers, he has not forsaken us, he has not left us, God hears the prayers of his people. And for some of you, if you've been praying for the same thing over and over again, some of you might need that encouragement. That when you pray, and we're going to pray tonight, and when you pray tonight, God hears. Whether it is audibly or whether it is silently in your heart, when you pray, God hears. Now, maybe just as a, a way of an introduction, I, I want to make a confession. I want to get something off my chest. Because there is a group of people that really get on my nerves. There's a type of people that I just can't stand. Now, if you're one of these people, I apologize in advance. But my dislike for these people comes maybe from jealousy. But I cannot stand the type of people who go to bed... And they put their head on their pillow, and a second later, they're asleep. I don't know if you're one of them, but I'm not. I'm there, up for ages and hours and hours, tossing and turning, and I can never get to sleep. And it really does annoy me that some people have an amazing ability. I, I, I mean, I've, I've seen some people fall asleep in the most ridiculous places. I once saw somebody who fell asleep standing up on the tube. I don't know how that's possible. But with me, it takes me ages to get to sleep. However, even if you are somebody who can get to sleep very quickly, I, I, I think that's something to thank God for. You should be grateful for that. That is a gift. But even somebody who is able to get to sleep quickly, I'm sure we've all experienced that feeling of not being able to sleep because worry has gripped us. Because we're nervous about what tomorrow will bring. Maybe many of us don't want to wake up in the, in the morning because it means going to work, or it means facing responsibilities. Or maybe we know we've made a mistake, and uh, tomorrow is the day when we're going to have to explain what's happened. I'm sure we can all relate to this feeling of lying in bed, wide awake, in the middle of the night, feeling completely overwhelmed by fear of what is to come. Overwhelmed by the circumstance, overwhelmed, maybe kept awake by our guilt or worry or fear. I'm sure all of us have been in that position when sleep has fled and we are just left alone with our thoughts. And I think this psalm is really a psalm that speaks into that situation. Psalm 4 has got lots of imagery around David and around uh, his struggle to sleep. It's got a lot of references to his bed. And so David is in a really similar position, a relatable position to you. He cannot sleep, for he is, his mind is racing. He's overwhelmed by what's happening around him. But even in that situation, even in that circumstance, David finds comfort in God. And my message for you this evening, 
is no matter what you are going through, no matter how overwhelming your circumstances may be, no matter what you're worried about, no matter what fear is gripping you, there is confidence and relief to be found in a gracious God. We pray to him and he hears and he listens. And so when you're struggling to sleep, this is really a psalm for you. And primarily what I want to do this evening is really just to focus on verse 1. I think verse 1 is, uh, is, is large enough in terms of its content for us to focus on for most of tonight. But Psalm 4 begins with this heartfelt human plea. David cries out in verse 1, Answer me when I call. That's a really bold statement, isn't it? If you think about who David is and you think about who God is, that's really quite a, a bold thing to say. God, answer me. When I call, why don't you respond? And you can see that David's cry to God, the heart of it, behind, the, the heart behind the cry, is because David is struggling. David is discouraged. David is angered by the situation around him. And so David is crying out to God. Now, who was David? David was a great ruler, a great king. But he finds himself, even as a great ruler, even as a great king, unable to deal with the situation around him. And it's a reminder for all of us, none of us can deal with everything. You might think that you will be able to face everything in life, just you against the world and you'll be fine. But we all find ourselves in moments where we struggle. It's not uncommon to have difficulties. It's often said, isn't it, that the, uh, the most common lie told in church is when somebody asks how you are and you say, I'm fine. People say that's often the most common lie to be told. David is struggling. And here in this psalm, it is an honest psalm. It's why I love the psalms so much, because of the honesty found in them. David is crying out, answer me, God. In my pain, in my struggles, in what I'm going through, where are you? Why is God not listening to my call? Why is God not responding to my prayer? Why is he? What's he doing? David is struggling. And so he turns to the only person he knows has power and authority over everything. When you're struggling in life, when things are going wrong for you, where do you turn? David really responds in the correct way. David goes straight to God. David is feeling almost lost in what's happening around him, and so he turns to God, and this is to be our example. If you are feeling beaten down by the world, battered by the hardships of it, there's no better place to be than praying and turning to our God in prayer. This is David's reaction, and I cannot commend it enough. Turn to God in prayer. Now, many of you will know that feeling when you're very busy. 
and you've got lots of things happening and you've got a really long to-do list. And you know in that moment when you are at your busiest, the phone will ring. And if you're anything like me, a dilemma will emerge. And that dilemma is, can I be bothered to answer that? I've got so much to do. I've got so much on. I might do this, this and that and then ring them back later. Or maybe if you've got a mobile like me, you'll see your phone ringing and you'll look at the person who's ringing and you'll think, no, I definitely won't answer this. I'm going to be there for an hour. I'll never be able to get them off the phone. I've got so much to do. And it's not that, <laughs> it's not that uncommon. I'll be, I'll be very honest. I'll share. It's not that uncommon for me to look at my phone and have a, a series of missed calls and then the occasional text message that says, Will you answer your phone? And somebody's clearly got so fed up of trying to ring me that they've just texted me saying, answer, will you not listen? I've got something important to tell you. Listen when I call to you. Something similar to what David is doing here, except he is saying it to God, the mighty one, the holy one, the creator. David has the audacity to say, answer me when I call. How does David have such confidence in prayer? And I wonder maybe, do our prayers lack confidence? Do we believe that we are praying to a God who is far off and distant? Or are we praying to a God who is near to us? Are we praying to a God who is close to us? Are we praying to a God who loves us, who cares about us? David is so bold in his prayer I wonder whether we need that boldness in prayer. Answer me when I call. And so there's stress happening all around David. You can almost sense that he feels he's been praying again and again and he wants the answer. He wants the relief, the solution. He wants God to step in. And I don't know what's going on in your lives. I don't know if you've been Praying time and time again for the same thing. Longing and waiting for God to move, work and answer it. Or more specifically, answer it in the way that you'd like. It's such a relatable psalm, isn't it? As we pray and continue to pray and keep on praying. As we look around us and the world seems so dark, that's certainly David's experience if you look at Psalm 4. Certainly in uh, verses 2, he looks around him and the world is chaos. And his prayer is, God, answer me. Listen to what I have to say. Help, assist. David makes an appeal to God in verse 1. But there's something else we read in verse 1. David doesn't just make this appeal to God to listen to him or answer him. When David is in distress, he doesn't just cry out to God, but he reminds himself of who God is. And as we come to a time of prayer, I think this is really helpful. As you are praying to God, remind yourself of who God is. David says, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Oh God of my righteousness. 
David is acknowledging here several things, but he's acknowledging that God is a righteous God. That God is a good God. More than that, David is claiming ownership of God. Answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. There's an interconnection. There's a relationship. The God to whom we pray to tonight is a God whom we know, whom we have fellowship with. I don't know about you, but I hate speaking on the phone to strangers. I really don't like it. Regardless of who it is, if it's a bill or a bank, I really don't like talking on the phone to people I don't know. And often, I think, even Christians can sometimes forget prayer is not to somebody we've got no concept or recollection of. Prayer is to somebody who loves us deeply, intimately, perfectly. And that should shape the way that we pray. When we remind ourselves of who this God is, O oh God of my righteousness. What righteousness do you have? What purity or holiness or perfection do you have? Well, the answer is none of my own. I, I'm not perfect. And you're not perfect either. We all try to be and we all try our best, but we've all failed. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And David says here, O God of my righteousness. This is almost inferring imputed righteousness, isn't it? That the righteousness that David has, he has because God has loved him and bestowed it upon him. As we pray, we remember who God is. The great God, the loving God, the holy God. A God who has never forsaken us. A God who has never abandoned us. Remind yourself of who God is. It's also helpful to remind yourself of who you are. Who you are before God. He's nothing short of a sinner who needs saving. God is good. All of his ways are holy and perfect and blameless. And there's something really important as we come to prayer that we need to think about. And it's not really something we like to think about very often. But I want to make the obvious point that God does not need to, and God does not have to, listen or act upon your prayers. The prayers that you pray, God does not have to listen to. He doesn't have to act upon them. I mean, who are you? I don't know if you've ever made representation or written to somebody important with an idea. I know one man and he writes in constantly to, uh, to the BBC about what he thinks of their programmes and I don't think they take any notice of him. That's my personal view, but he writes in all the same. When you talk and ask something of somebody, they haven't got to listen, do they? Particularly if they're in a high up position they can just choose to ignore you. They can choose to go listen to somebody more influential. God does not have to listen to your prayers. And this is where we read in verse 1, O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in distress. 
Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. I love David's great crying out to God, what David is saying. And it was David's plea and it should be your plea. Your only plea before God this evening is this. God, be gracious. Have grace. We don't deserve to have the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, listening to us. Sometimes my wife doesn't even listen to me, and sometimes I don't even listen to her. Who are we to expect the creator of everything to hear us? I don't think there's anything that I've got to say that would benefit God. I don't think there's anything I could say that God doesn't know. There's no wisdom I could depart to him. But our prayers are, and David's prayer is, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. The great cry is, God, be gracious. We have a gracious God who does not need to listen to our mumblings and murmurings and moanings, but he does. He cares about us. In 1 Peter it says, doesn't it cast all your anxieties on him because he cares. God cares about you. We have a God who loves collectively. He loves his church. But he loves the individual members that make up his church. And we've got nothing that we can say to God, nothing we can impress God with, We simply, in our prayers, go to him and say, Lord, please be gracious. There's no reason you should listen to me. The way that we've been living, there's no reason why you should do anything but judge us. Be gracious. Hear my prayer. It is nothing short of a miracle that God, the Lord of all, hears our prayer. We sang to start, didn't we? Who is he? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Who are we praying to? It's the Lord, the one who is above all. Elsewhere in the Psalms, it says, To whom shall you compare me, says the Lord? Who will you compare God with? There's nobody like him. There's nobody you can compare God to. He is different and unique and special and beyond everything. And his grace is so much that he will listen to us this evening. His grace is so much. His love and concern for his people is so great that when you're on your own in the darkness, lying on your bed, praying, overwhelmed, do you think he doesn't listen? He doesn't listen because he has to. He listens because he is good and gracious and kind to his people. It is our only plea before God. We are wrong to assume that God should listen to our demands or our commands. But he listens to us for his love Is that great. He is the incomparable mighty one. Yes. But he's also the saviour. 
He's also the one who loved the sheep that went astray. He is loving. You are nobody and nothing. You say, Sam, you're always very complimentary of your congregations, aren't you? You are nobody and nothing. The, the scripture puts it this way, that we are like dust. We're nothing. Flowers quickly fading, here one moment and gone the next. Particularly with my gardening skills, my, my uh, garden, nothing lasts very long in my garden. Our lives are not life-changing or world-changing. There's no reason that God should listen to us, but yet he cares. It should stagger us and amaze us every time we come to prayer. In my job, I get a lot of people phoning up and complaining to me, and I have to listen to them because it's my job. I don't think I would do it if I wasn't paid, but it's my job to listen to people. It's not God's job to listen to people. He listens to the prayers of his saints from his love, from his grace. This is our one plea before him. How do we know that God is gracious? David is saying here, be gracious, but how do we know God is gracious? Well, there's an obvious example, isn't there? God has been gracious to us in the past, and therefore we know God will continue to be gracious to us. More than this, the greatest example that there can ever be of God's grace is that God cared and loved so much for his people that he sent his one and only son to the cross. If you ever feel like God's not going to listen to your prayers because he doesn't love you or care about you, the question is not has he listened to your prayer. The question is, did he send and give everything he had for you? If God has given himself, for your salvation. What makes you think he's not going to listen? He did not withhold anything. For he died for you. If you're trusting in Jesus, and he gave his life for you to have life, in his death you have life. A God who is that gracious, A God who loves that self sacrificially is a God who is not going to stop loving you now. It is a God who will continue to love you through the good times, through the hard times. It is not a God who will forsake you. It is not a God who will forget about you. What do you value most in your house For me, I have to say the things that I tend to value most are the things that cost me most. What I spend a lot of money on, they are the things that I want to keep perfect and preserved and safe. When I drop, say, a a cheaper china plate, I'm not so bothered about that. If I drop my really expensive uh, tea mug, I will be distraught for weeks. There's a difference, isn't there? Because of how much money I've paid for one, I care and value that object so much. You have been bought 
If you are trusting in Jesus, you have been bought by the most precious thing there is, the blood of Jesus. And if you have been bought by God, why would he ever stop caring or loving you? We are precious in his eyes. We are precious in his sight. Our God is gracious. That's something to pray about. That's something to give thanks for. That's something I don't think we'll ever stop praising him for. We'll never exhaust our thanks for that simple fact. That while I was sinning, while I was rebellious, while I was turning my back on God, Christ died for me. We know how gracious God is in such a way, for he has sent Jesus. In that way, we have, if I can put it this way, almost a a fuller knowledge than David. We know and we have seen the whole salvation plan laid out. David knew a lot about God, but 1 John chapter 2, such an encouraging verse that we had that David didn't. 1 John chapter 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What beautiful words they are. When we pray, remember that we have an advocate. We have somebody who hears our prayers. Christ himself enthroned in glory, interceding on our behalf. And sometimes the devil will spread lies that God doesn't hear. The God who gave everything to save you, to redeem you. God who is at the right hand, who is exalted on the throne. He remembers, he sees, he hears your prayer. What a great, beautiful saviour we have. The final thing I want to draw out of verse 1 is when David says, you have given me relief when I was in distress. This is another great thing that David does as he's wrestling with God in prayer. David doesn't just remember who God is. He doesn't just come to God asking that God will be gracious. David looks back on his life and he sees and remembers that God has answered in the past. You have given me relief when I was in distress. I'm sure this is a testimony of every Christian here tonight. Every Christian can say, I have been through some tough things in my life. I struggled in this moment. I was on my knees with worry and fear. I didn't know how I was going to get through the next day. But God saw me through. I love the hymn that says, Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And all of us can look back at our lives, and there will be a few things that we will find if we look back at our lives. 
in these moments of crying out to God to answer the prayers of his people, to listen to the call, the one thing we will find is that God has been faithful, is that God does hear our prayers, that God has answered our prayers, and sometimes God answers our prayers in bigger ways than we've ever thought or expected. And perhaps one of the greatest things we'll find is that through every hardship, through every difficulty, through every one of my failures, God has kept me. Is that your testimony tonight? Not that you were saved once years ago. It's your testimony tonight. Every day, God is holding on to me. God is keeping me. This is how David knows God is going to listen and answer his prayers because God's never let him down in the past. And let me tell you this, whatever you are currently going through in the present, God is not going to abandon or forsake you now. And in the future, God will always keep you. God keeps hold of his people. There is a certainty and a confidence we can have when we pray to the Lord. The only logical conclusion that there can be is that God has been with us in the past, he's with us in the present, and he will be with us in the future. And I just want to jump very quickly to the end of Psalm 4. I haven't covered the whole of Psalm 4, but I just want to deal with the end. David reasons and rations all of these things up, and I recommend you go home and read the whole of Psalm 4 again. It's fantastic. But this is what David says in verse 8. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I love the two ends of this psalm. The first psalm is almost David trying to assure himself of David saying, God, answer me, I need you, help me. And then throughout the psalm, you see David reasoning and rationalizing. And then verse 8 comes in and reminds us that David can lie down in peace. There is no greater peace than knowing that nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's no greater peace that you can know tonight the knowing sins forgiven, that knowing that even death itself cannot separate you from Jesus. David says here, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. He's not going to be tossing and turning and being kept all night because he has found comfort. He has found rest. He has found refuge in the Lord. And the immutable God, the God who never changes, if David could find rest in him, then so can you. And just to end, he says, for you alone, O Lord, there's nobody else who can offer this comfort. Nobody else who loves you like God loves you. Nobody else who listens to you like God. For you alone, I think sometimes we, we do get a little bit too comfortable as Christians. And we need that reminder that we are saved by God and God alone. Nothing else 
can save. Nothing else can help. Nothing else can rescue. It is God and God alone. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I just want to end with this. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. If you know Jesus Christ, then in your prayer life, you will know that you are safe and saved in the hands of God. What can overpower God? Nothing. Nothing in this world, not the power of the devil, nothing can overcome the might of God. And so if you are safe in him, then you are safe eternally.